Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pathways with me, your host, Todd Allen Baker. First, I just want to thank everyone for coming on and listening to this very first episode of this podcast, Pathways. Um, hopefully, we can give you some guidance and some knowledge into this performing arts, this crazy industry of what we call the performing arts. And I'm excited to share this journey with you or this pathway with you. Um, and most of all, I'm excited for our first guest on this podcast, um, Miss Deborah Vega. Um, I've known Deborah since 1991. Um, when I became a dance major my sophomore year at Ball State University, she was one of the first people I met. And we hit it off instantly. We discovered we had the same birthday. We're a year apart, but we've always called each other affectionately twin. And to this day, the name has still stuck. Um, she went on after college to have a fantastic career of Broadway tours, Radio City Rockettes, and the list goes on and on. But I'll let her tell you her story. Um, so I would like to bring on... Deborah Vega. So welcome, Deborah. Good to see you. I haven't seen you for so long. So even if it's in this form, it's great to see you. Oh, Todd, it is so awesome to see you. And I'm so excited to be your first guest. And I'm so proud of you for starting this awesome podcast. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, there was no question at, at the very beginning when I was like, who's going to be my first guest? It, your name just popped into to my head. It's just, it had to be you. It just well, had I to. I am honored. I'm honored. Oh, it's an honor to have you here. Um, So I'm just going to start with the questions and I kind of run this as a Q&A and we'll, we just, we'll see where our pathway takes. Um, So what was your earliest memory of wanting to be in the performing arts? Well, I started dancing very young. I was four years old and I started with tap and then kept adding all the different styles, jazz and ballet, point work and on and on. And then when I eventually went to college where I met you, I was going to be an education major because I had taught children as a dance educator. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good with kids. I'm going to teach school and be a dance minor. Well, when I was told how little a time I would have in my education major for my dance classes, I took a step back and said, no, I, I think I really need to be a dance major. I had no idea what I was going to do with that path, but I knew I had to do it. And it's through that training through in college and through the theater department at Ball State, which is thriving these yes, days. Yes, absolutely. It is thriving. It kind of all got started when we were there. We were kind of in the, that that very beginning when it started climbing up the ladder there. Yeah. Actually, in it was in our time that the dance and theater departments combined and we put on a chorus line. Yes. With that really combined feel of like, this isn't just the dance department. It's not just the theater department. It was collaborative effort and brought us all together. And that's when the bug for musical theater really hit me. I said, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is the pathway I want to take. Yeah. I think that if that musical A for dancers is amazingly special anyhow, and as us doing it together, that's still a special memory for me performing with you um is doing that and that was my first show in college as well and i i mean there's people that i still talk to here that live in carmel indiana that we still hold that special memory of that show um that's something that will always be deep inside of us so yeah the fact that you mentioned that that's just a common ground that we will always share yes and it's such a special show just for for dancers and performers, uh, that's so universal, you know, this need, this desire to want to perform and what we did for love, you know, yes. when that, that song and it's that quintessential dancer story, um, 
you know, conceived by Michael Bennett. That's just so special and still holds true to this day and, and why it's still performed to this day. It, it's um, not only universal, I think, to performers, but just to people. To people I, in our industry. It doesn't matter what you do in our industry. Um, it's It's the whole process of auditioning and being vulnerable. And I think that's the beauty of that, that musical. Um, so what steps did you take in your training and what got you to find your pathway in this career after college? Yeah. So upon graduating, it's kind of like, okay, what do I do next? And, um, I knew I wanted to travel and I had a real desire to, um, see things other than Indiana and, um, as we all do. <laughs> so, uh, a touring company of Sesame street live came around and something fun about that crew is that they would seek out dance studios in whatever city they were performing in. And they happened to choose our dance studio to come take class. And so it was that cross connection. Oh, how do you audition? And, so suddenly I'm auditioning for uh, to be a Muppet, <laughs> basically. And that wasn't something I had could have ever envisioned in my path. But Sesame Street as a child was a very special show to me. And so being a part of that um, corporation and that company um, was really, really cool. And I met some of my very best friends on that first tour. I toured for nine months, my first tour. And what so, character did you play? I played Bert of Bert and Ernie. Um, and then, uh, so I did that first tour. And uh, my friend Phil, who played Ernie, is still one of my very best friends. We lived together in New York when I lived there. And we're we're still good friends. My friend yes, Trisha, who played, who played Grover. <laughs> we should have him on. Yes, we need to have all those people yeah, on. Yeah, Phil, Trish. Anyway, I'm still friends with all of them. And um formative years you know when you're just out of college you're just like 21 and seeing the world and so we kind of all grew up together now side note to this um i was still in college and i was performing at opryland at the time in between and i will have to make a confession on this podcast that i was a sesame street live groupie I followed Deb and her friends from city to city and would stay in her hotel rooms. And that was kind of cool for me because I was working professionally, but it was kind of like my first experience for tour later on when I started touring that I kind of knew what it was like. I knew what a per diem was. I knew how the hotel life and how you got your food because I absolutely was a Sesame Street groupie. <laughs> I love that you brought that up. I mean, it is a big deal when you leave home for the first time, right? College is leaving home, but it's different when you're actually like, okay, I'm living out of a suitcase and packing up my life for a little while and I'm on tour um, it's, it's, it's really different. And your family becomes the show, the show people are your family. And, um, to have someone like Todd, who was my college family, uh, be able to be, you know, have a little glimpse into that along the way. It was really special. And from that experience, I gained friends and I still communicate with those people as well. So, I mean, it's a great thing, the experience that I had that I made friends from her. So, that was, yeah, I can't, I have to admit, I was a Sesame Street groupie. <laughs> I watched very many Sesame Street live tours. <laughs> oh, well, we were happy to have you, Todd. Ah, uh, thank you. Thank you for letting me crash on the floor or wherever I crashed at that <laughs> Who point knows? in time. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, um, yeah. So I did, a, I did a couple of tours. I toured nine months and then I took a break and then I took, did another year tour. And between those two tours, I pretty much saw every state in the United States, except for like five states. I, I even got to go to Hawaii for two weeks, which was awesome. So it was really wonderful um, growing time for me. Um, and in that time of touring, because I was able to get close to New York City, which I I wasn't really sure where I was going to end up 
you know, living and performing one day, but I was very drawn to New York because of the Broadway community. And it enabled me to get close enough to New York on tour to go in and take class. I would even do um, a drop into a couple of auditions just to see what it was like to audition in New York. And that was really the first like little light bulb in my head. Like, oh, I think I think I could live here and I think I could audition here. That's really important information for a little girl from Indiana yeah. you know, going to the big city. Like, oh, I, I think that I have enough training to compete here. And so those tours enabled me that um, confidence, ex experience and, and confidence. confidence and experience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then from from there, where did you progress on from there? <laughs> so um, because of my friend Trish, she was um, performing. She had left Sesame Street and started doing musicals <laughs> at uh, a couple of dinner theaters around the country. And um, I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. So, you know, get out of the costume and actually be a, a, my, myself on stage would be awesome. So I started, um, let's see, in Pennsylvania, the Dutch Apple Dinner Theater. Yes, yes. They, <laughs> they have a sister theater down in Fort Myers, Florida called the Broadway Palm. I and remember. So, yes. So I went, uh, I started at so I think it was with Will Rogers Follies, which is a I show I remember I've seeing you that I was working at Bush Gardens at the time. I yes. followed Deb. I was a Deborah groupie. Okay, so that <laughs> I'll just say it. Well, I, mean, I was a Todd groupie too because I did see you at Opryland and I did see you at Bush Gardens and I got to see you do all your flips and all your amazing. And you saw me on tour as well. I did. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, so Todd we follow. We're like, groupies. That we're Todd, we're each other's groupies. Well, that's what you do, right? You support <laughs> your friends and you scream out. I oh, totally like forgot the Broadway so, Palm until you brought it up. Oh so gosh, yeah, the Broadway Palm. Yeah, we were groupies. Yes, but it was a dream, right? To I was still so young and I was um, learning the ropes. What is what is it like to be in a musical yeah. and to live in cast housing and uh, work at a dinner theater where sometimes the patrons are awake and sometimes they're real sleepy because they just had a nice big meal, right? <laughs> Um, but also made some wonderful friends in that experience. My friend Doug, my friend Jill. So I, I, and I'm still friends with them to this day. So again, those formative years where I am learning the ropes, but also um, fortifying these like friendships that I'm going to have the rest of my life. And I think that's an important thing that you touch on that the people that we work with, uh, yeah, they they form our lives and there's a bond, even if you're with them for six months. And I think that's one of the most, you know, marvelous things about our career is pretty much now through social media that we all can keep in contact with each other now. And I, I think that's the importance that a lot of people outside the performing arts don't get of the closeness that we form with our castmates. Yeah, they, they really are your family. Uh, and it's such an intense, um, especially in a, like you're in a tech period where you're learning the show and you're teching the show and um, it's all very intense and we're all focused on this big goal. And then the show opens and then, you know, maintaining the run of the show. It, I mean, we're, we're just there every step and supporting each other through it. Yeah. And from there, so what happened? <laughs> how does your story and your pathway progress from the Broadway Palm? <laughs> so I, um, so in there, I did do some summer stock in, um, where was it? Sullivan, Little Theater on the Square in Sullivan, Illinois. Mm -hmm. um, I And then I went back to the Dutch Apple, which is in um, Pennsylvania, and did Crazy for You there. And my, not only does my life have a path with um, Will Rogers Follies, which I think I've done five productions of that show. Mm -hmm. um, Crazy for You, I think also, I've also done five productions of Crazy yes. for You. And that's been a huge um, pathway in my life uh, that keep, kept coming back. And that you did that with Susan Stroman, correct? I did eventually, but not at the, not at the Dutch Apple right. <laughs> Dinner Theater. Um, so I uh, was performing as Patsy 
in that production of Crazy For You, but I was feeling very driven to continue auditioning while I was so close to New York because it was like a two and a half, three hour drive to New York. And I'm like, well, on my day off on Mondays, I'm going to go in and just see what happens. And I think you touch on something important. Continue to audition. Yes. Always audition. It is a skill that needs to be practiced because, you know, some days are good days, some days not. And just that skill of picking up material quickly and, you know, dancing it back to the people in the room. That was, um, that's, it it does take practice. It does take practice. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this one particular Monday, it was, it must've been just a magical Monday for me. I drove in and, um, the audition that I was really caring about was crazy for you in Europe. The European Mm -hmm. tour was looking for a one person replacement. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm going to go give that a try. It was really my dream to not only travel the country, our own country, but to travel the world. And um, Europe was high on my list. In fact, when I took class at Broadway Dance Center and some of the big um, studios in New York, I would see it was a big deal at the time to have these tour jackets. Mm -hmm. And I would see the dancers come in with their tour jackets and it would say 42nd Street European tour. And I can remember thinking, I want to do a European tour. And somehow I must have put it out to the universe because, okay, this crazy for you European tour comes up, but I wanted to warm up for the, for the audition with another audition that right. was happening prior. So that morning I went to a Royal Caribbean um, call. I never um, knew that. I did. Okay, I, yeah. Which cruise line did you work for, Todd? Royal Caribbean. Oh, no way. I got hired, but I didn't take it because I went you'll see. So I did the, I did the Royal Caribbean call and I could tell, you know, I don't know if sometimes you can tell the people in the room, they're like really very, um, they, I think they liked me. <laughs> right. Like really you have the moments working. when you're like, okay, I, just, I think I was, I was, like, was oh, on. I think they're like really watching me. And, um, I kept making cuts and then I was like, oh no, I can't keep making cuts because I got to go to this other audition. Um, so a few of us, when we were asked to sing, asked if we could go first because, um, we wanted to get to this other audition. And often if you, if you are brave enough to ask, um, especially if there's a small group of you, they will accommodate. So Mm -hmm. the, the Royal Caribbean folks were so accommodating. Oh yes, of course. We'll let you five women go first. And so we all, you know, took our turn to sing and then we booked it across um, Times Square to the other audition that we were trying to get to, um, made it there in time. And, um, I had a really good audition for that one too. In fact, as it got down to the end, I was making cuts and I went in and sang, um, I left the room. I just felt like I did everything I could. Right. So the audition's over and I'm packing up and there's still a few of us left and someone comes out of the room. I was a Smith then before I got married. So is, is Deborah Smith here? Is Deborah Smith here? I was Deborah. I went by Deborah Denise Smith, Deborah Denise Smith here. Yeah, I'm still here. Could you come in the room, please? P.S. This never happens at auditions. They Mm -mm. they call you back in the room. What is what's going on? So they literally give me the offer right there. Do you have a current passport? Why? Yes, I do. Would you be able to leave within a week? Mind you, I'm still doing crazy for you at the Dutch Apple. Why, yes, I would be it's able always to yes. in a week. It's always yes. Yes. And I thought, oh, how am I going to figure this out? But okay. So yes, I'd be able to leave in a week. Okay, well, we're going to contact you. And so I, they needed one person. And out of the, I don't know how many people auditioned that day, it was me. I got that job. So I had to go back to the Dutch Apple and tell them, what had happened. And they, because I had worked with them so many times, they were so kind and so supportive. The because reputation family. and work ethic matter in this industry. Absolutely. And they, they just asked that I help teach my replacement. So they quickly called in a replacement. I, of course, 
um, helped teach her the track. And then within a week, I was on a plane to Germany. Yeah, that's my next step in my Crazy For You adventure. Yes, the European tour of Crazy For You. Dream come true. Awesome. Yeah. So from there, where did you (laughs) wind up? I mean, I like, how did you, what was your next adventure? How did you wind up? Let's kind of segue. Where did you wind up and how many years were you a Rockette? That's the last time I saw you perform. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I went to 1999. Did the, so I did the, okay. So it's funny. I, I kept having this drive, like, I need to move to New York. I need to move to New York. But jobs just kept taking me not, you know, in a different direction. So I was in Europe and I met all these friends who lived in New York. And I actually met um, some uh, Rockettes and they were like, you, you should, have you ever auditioned for the Rockettes? You should audition for the Rockettes. And I was like, yeah, I really want to audition for the Rockettes. I just got to get to New York. So uh, that tour finishes and I, um, I, stay with friends in New York about a month. And what do I do? Um, the Rocket audition hadn't come up yet, but another European tour audition came up for fame. I want to live forever. Yeah, I went back to Europe uh, for a year. So I still wasn't in New York, but I was seeing a whole bunch of European countries on this very, very, um, very well, uh, Followed. Part of a dancer's passion as well, fame. Yeah, fame. I mean, this show was like a phenomenon over there and in Europe, and it was like this, uh, like there were these groupies outside the door. Like it was, it was cool. It was cool signing autographs and like these people, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever you want. My You're autograph. a massive deal. You were a massive deal. <laughs> it was really fun. It was like you know living this little dream for a little while. Then finally, I went back to New York after about a year on a year and a half or so on tour. And did that rocket audition. Um, and so let me just say, um, being a Radio City Rocket was a dream, like a childhood dream of mine. I, I, I'm, I think a lot of young dancers, it is. And, and being from the Midwest, I never saw them in person because we weren't driving to New York City or um, they weren't really doing the Across America tours like they right. do now. So I would see them on the Macy's parade or I'd see them on the Jerry Lewis telethon. And I remember being little, little and um, seeing them tap and saying to my parents, oh, look, they're just like me. Not I'm like them. They're like me. Right. They tap just like me. So anyway, this was deep. This is deep. It was deep. Mm-hmm. So there were about 500 people at this audition the line wrapped around radio city um at the time watch the auditions because i follow them and they're super intense oh yeah (laughs) so now the process the process has changed over time of course but now the process is a three-day process um and in my time it was a two-day process which was still quite quite uh long Um, and so I, you know, you go through, um, audition process the whole day. I was there early in the morning waiting that line and then the cuts keep happening. Um, you know, the, just the first initial cut and, um, you know, can you dance? And then a next cut, um, was a height requirement. A next cut was a tap. A next cut was a precision jazz. And then when you're just tired you're just beat up tired they beat teach up. you the they just you're just beat up tired but you're still going um you learn the kick routine you learn a kick line routine so um and then that's not it you come back the next day and do do it all again so um that year i was lucky because they hired 15 new rockets uh to be a part of the the christmas spectacular and the first time I auditioned, I got in. Awesome. I'm getting ready to see it again. And I've not seen it since you were in it. Oh, my gosh. You're going to be your mind's going to be blown. I it can't is, wait. I'm excited. It's, a, it's It is a spectacular. I know. I know. <laughs> and how many years did you do that? And, and after and each year, did you have to re-audition or were you automatically hired back? Okay. So I... I performed four seasons, but not consecutively. 
So I did two seasons kind of in my early years in New York, and I did two seasons kind of at the end of my time in New York, my end mm -hmm. of my performing career. So it really did bookend my performing career in New York, which is very um, serendipitous, very special. Yeah. Um, so the first two years, um, I did not have to re-audition. Um, at the time, they had a process where they would hire back 80% of the line um, automatically because they liked what you did and um, there's no need to re-audition, just come on back. Um, the other 20%, it's maybe just because there's something they want to look again at you or maybe you're better suited for the dancing ensemble rather than the Rockettes um, because some gals did go between if they met the height requirement, mm -hmm. they didn't went between the two. Yeah, just things like that. So um, a lot of those dancers in the 20% did get hired back, but they just wanted to look at them for another reason, for right. some reason. Um, and then, uh, so why, why the gap? Because I auditioned for a Christmas show across town, which was a Christmas Carol, the musical that was choreographed by Susan Stroman. And this was my first time meeting Susan Stroman. What, wait, is that true? Is that the first time I met Susan Stroman? No, it was the second time. Because what I did crazy for you, <laughs> I did crazy for you at Paper Mill Playhouse. It's always going to go back full circle to crazy. Yes, yes, crazy for you again. So I, um, in my time in New York, I auditioned for Paper Mill Playhouses, um, and they're a wonderful theater right in New Jersey, um, on the other side of the river. So a lot of New Yorkers want to live, want to work there because you can live at home in New York mm -hmm. and work there. Um, so they were doing crazy for you, but they were also, it was also being filmed for PBS great performances. So it was, um, a very special production. Um, they brought back a lot of the originals from the Broadway production. Yeah. And that's um, where you worked with Jerry Gallagher, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. He was my roommate at one point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh yeah. I know. He was our moose. Yes. He yeah. was wonderful. So yeah, so all we these... could probably do this all day. Six degrees of separation between <laughs> you and I. It's so true. Um. So so anyway, um, Susan Stroman came in as um. So Angelique Ilo, um, famous dancer and choreographer. Um, look up to her so much. She she choreographed the show, but Susan Stroman came in, um, as a consult because it was being, um, preserved for PBS great performances. And mm -hmm. Susan Stroman wanted to make sure that it was preserved in her original choreography. So, um, yes, I got to work with both Angelique and Stro, as we call her. Um, and that was my first time meeting Susan Stroman. So she did have some experience with me when I did walk into that Christmas Carol audition. I kind of forgot the order of things, but yes, that's how it went. So that um, Christmas Carol audition went very well. And um, let's see, that show ran for 10 years and I, um, I danced in the last four years of that 10 year run. Yeah. That's right. And then I went back to Radio City for a couple of years too. Just went across town to the next Just Christmas across show. town, you know, one's at Radio City, one's at uh the theater at Madison Square Garden, this huge six thousand seat theater that is below Madison Square Garden. It's amazing. And yeah. that's where you worked with Dion Ridley, right? Yes. He yes. was one of the very talented ensemble dancers who had to He's just very flip, talented all flip around. and jump his brains yeah. out um, yeah. through that whole show. Yeah. Yes. I've asked him to come on. So hopefully, oh you know, yeah. Um, yes. So I follow him on the, on the socials. On the, on and the he's, socials. Yeah. He's busy. He's, he's busy. still busy. He's, he's still, still working. Busy. Yep. I know it's the pathway. It I comes know. back to what we were talking about. Know. We all have the pathway. He's still going <laughs> after. I mean, he's probably one of my most favorite people from tour. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What show did you do with him? I was Damn with Yankees. Damn Yankees on the yeah. national tour with him. That's yeah. I, thought. Mm -hmm. yep. I'm I saw him a Todd few years ago up in Chicago when uh, up in Fort Wayne, I went up to Fort Wayne cause he was touring with my Chicago. Hometown. I went to your hometown cause he was touring with Chicago Oh, sweet. Yeah. So during this whole time and um, when you're performing, and it's a general question that I will always ask, because um, I think we've all been there. Is there any point in time during your career that 
you felt discouraged or you just totally wanted to give up? Well, that, and how you did you what? work yourself? That's always like a formative yes or no question. And pretty much it's always going to be a yes. <laughs> yeah. But how did you work yourself out of it? And why were you discouraged? And mm-hmm. how did you work yourself through that? Because so, I think that's important for all of us. And I'll I'll say that every interview, because you got to keep on going. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Earlier we talked about you just got to keep on auditioning. Yeah. Um, because for every like, who knows, 25, 50 auditions, then one might be the day that you have your golden day. You know, we always tell the stories of like when we got the gig, but right. there are so many stories where I didn't, not mm-hmm. I did not get the gig. And so, um, yeah, I had to have a whole, um, all these other jobs that were designed to pay my rent <laughs> and allow me to eat while I was um, going through the audition process. Cause you're not always in a show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes shows run for three months and then you're done. So um, I, <laughs> I did a lot of odd jobs like uh, waitressing and temping. And um, I worked at sample sales and set them up all sorts of things. But I think one of my favorites was um, dancing at bar mitzvahs, which is a real thing at yeah. uh, in the New York area and Westchester and Long Island. Um, bar and bat mitzvahs are a big celebration. And um, often DJs are hired and they have a little dance crew with them to teach these follow along dances. So I did that on the weekends, um, which allowed my weeks to be free to audition because you have to, they're usually during the day, during the week. And I think that's a good thing for our listeners to know um, that there's things to do in between that are performance value that what you just did different ways to make money and different gigs um, (laughs) to make money. I used to work where I would do live social events, like big um, gigs where it was just, you came in with a cast and this was down in Tampa and we would just learn a couple of shows and it was for a bunch of business people. And we came in and did a show and yeah. just pieced out. And I, I don't think people know about those companies and yeah, like I independent know. gigs to get like that, to make some money and still perform. Yeah. Yeah. They used to be called industrials. Industrials. Yes. Do they still call them that. <laughs> I've not really heard of them, know. but yeah. 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 So we, yes, I would do some of those as well. Sometimes yeah. a choreographer would call you up and, you know, you just do a quick little, I did Industrial. like little fashion shows yeah. and yeah, for like a, a corporation or something yeah. as entertainment. As entertainment. Yeah. 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 But fun, you know, fun to get paid for what you love to do. And, um, but the side jobs actually are helpful in just life skills. You know, my temp job, um, I, I, I got really good at typing and, and just word processing and, that's just stuff that, you know, you need to have computer skills in this life. Mm -hmm. Um, so that helped me kind of hone those in. Um, yeah. And just like, I don't know, just life skills, you know, uh, ways to make money. Waitressing is always very humbling, uh, but, um, a good thing to do that keeps your day free so that you're, you know, you're going to usually waitress in the evening. So yeah, got to keep the audition times open. And when, during all this time, did you have a good support system? Who was your support system during these hard times that we always have? There's always rejections and there's always, you know, no's and there's always yeses. But during the down times, especially when you're away from home and you have your family in New York um, or family wherever you're at at that moment, um, who was that support system for you? Well, it was... Early on, it was my friend Trish, Trisha Turek, who mm-hmm. is still one of my very best friends. Yes, and gosh. we were roommates when I first moved to New York. And then she moved out of New York and I moved in with Phil, who we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, Phil Fabry. Um, and he was my roommate. So it, when I lived with Trish, I had like six roommates. It was We were in, the, in a huge apartment way uptown in uh, Washington Heights. But then I wanted to be closer to where I was auditioning and doing shows. So Phil and I moved into a teeny little apartment um, with our two cats uh, in the Hell's Kitchen area. And Phil, I would say, 
um, was really my anchor. You know, I, I, he mm-hmm. would hear me warm up. I mean, poor thing, you know, I had to get up early and warm up my voice and whatever, bend over and stretch in our teeny tiny apartment. And, um, he, he just was, you know, cheering me on always. So I appreciate him so much still to this day. To this day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, during this time, did you ever have a backup plan? Is there something else that you wanted to do or you had, you know, that plan in your pocket, as we say in the industry? You know what? My back pocket plans manifested over time. When I was in New York, I was very focused on I wanted to perform. Mm -hmm. And so I made that my priority and goal. Um, And then as time went on, um, I met my I met my future husband and Mm -hmm. my future husband, uh, who is now my current husband. um, But at the time I was living in New York and he was from Massachusetts, which is where I live now. Um, And so your priorities start to shift. Right. And um, you decide, okay, my next life path is going to be with this person. And it's not about performing anymore. It's about love and um, creating, building a family and um, having a home base where I'm not traveling around all the time. Um, so that shift was, it. you know, it's, it's a natural timing. occurrence. Yeah, it's timing too. It's like it yeah. happened at a time in my life. I met him at a time in my life. His name's Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, was the time where I was like kind of, getting tired i tired of the 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 push mm-hmm. the everyday push of like the next job the next job the next job it's it does wear on you over time and i i lived in new york 10 10 years and chasing that uh, next gig chasing the, the gigs and sometimes yeah. you get them and, and just had all these wonderful life experiences but um then the shift happened and so uh it just so happens that aaron um, is a yoga teacher. Well, he does many things, but, um, he, uh, was, had just finished his teacher training and I was, um, very much into yoga at the time. It's what got me through my years in New York. Um, just that like practice. And we were like, we should open a yoga studio. So that's, we got married and our plan was, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this yoga business together. So that was kind of how the next path um, unfolded. Yeah. There's been a lot more paths since then, but that was kind of what happened next after New York. And do you guys still have that yoga studio? Yeah. Yeah. So we still have it as a yoga business, but we have transitioned to a mobile model rather than a brick and mortar, um, Mm -hmm. you know, physical space, which, um, we kind of took, a a lesson from the food truck, era, you know, that everyone, yeah. all the restaurants are shifting to something that's more cost effective and yeah. clever. Yeah. Yes. So we, th- we see ourselves as a food truck kind of food truck <laughs> yoga, uh, where we bring the yoga to you. It's called Vega yoga mobile. Um, so I still go ahead and plug that day, again, plug that again. If you're uh, in the area, Vega yoga mobile, oh, uh, home based in, make Holyoke, sure you get your plug in there. Holyoke, Massachusetts. Um, but I travel all around um, the Holyoke area. It's near Springfield. Some people know Springfield. It's the bigger city near us. Um, but all that whole area around Holyoke, Springfield, Chicopee, um, South Hadley. Um, and I teach, oh, oh my gosh, I teach so much yoga on site now because um, it's just easier for mm-hmm. many populations for me to come to them. Right. Cool older populations or um, I teach people with special needs. I teach folks with um, brain injuries. I have a kind of found my niche in um, helping folks that um, just need a pathway to move. Yeah. So we're bringing it back full circle. Always <laughs> a pathway. Yeah. 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 Um, and do you still teach dance or do you, what do you do on yes. other than the yoga? Yeah. So, um, so yoga was one of the paths, but I've mm-hmm. always kept dance in my life because I, I just can't help it. It's, we can't, it's in us, it's right? It's part of me forever, forever. So, um, I've found a home teaching at, well, I've taught many places over the years here in this area, but I 
um, currently teach at Mass Academy of Ballet, which is a pre-professional ballet program, but I teach all of their jazz classes. So I I just give them a different style of movement within their training. And then um, more recently, I'm in my third year teaching at CLI Conservatory, which is the brainchild of Teddy Florence, who mm-hmm. is, um, I think, well known in the can dance. Can you tell our listeners what that is? Um, <laughs> so I know what it is, but you can go ahead and kind of plug that in what it yeah. is because our students take that um, and do the courses when it first came out. Yeah. So um, CLI started as CLI Studios, which is um, uh, an online. Um, it's an online network where you can um, subscribe and take classes from all of these different amazing teachers um, from all over the convention world. Mm-hmm. And um, Teddy's idea was to bring the conventions, kind of like the food truck, bring the conventions to you. Yeah. Because um, so often, you know, like trying to travel, it's not always easy for a studio to get somewhere. So this allows you to take class in your home. And then from that sprouted CLI Conservatory and CLI stands for Create, Learn, Inspire. Um, And now they're in their third year of the conservatory. I've been there all the three years and I'm one of the resident faculty. So I teach all of the musical theater, not all, but I teach musical theater classes. And um, within that, I teach a little dance history of the movement. Um, it's one of my passions to pass the history on and teach some of this iconic Broadway rep um, so it doesn't get lost. You know, I want it passed to those next generations. Yeah, we got to stick to our roots, right? Like a chorus line. Like yeah, we got to stick to our roots. Yeah. Send it, pass it on. Um, yes. And I've taught a little yoga for them as well. Um, but it's a wonderful pre-professional program that um, it it's a it's a year long or not a year, but a uh, like a nine month period like a school year Mm -hmm. um where you train with top professionals across the industry and i think it's where dancers really figure out their their path um because they are getting exposed to concert dance a lot of contemporary movement but they're also getting exposed to um commercial dance hip-hop working on in film um, and then uh, theater dance as well. Um, a bunch of wonderful professionals uh, from New York and all around um, come in and teach. Uh, yeah, and LA teachers as well mm-hmm. come and teach in uh, all of those different styles. So it's pretty a pretty unique program. Yeah. So throughout all this extensive career that we've been through in this almost hour, what is your favorite memory? What's like one of your, uh, what sticks with you? Oh my gosh, that's a tough question. I know it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I I think it comes back for me to those friendships. I mean, I yeah. I mean there I have a lot of memories that are like really funny memories that are I just love those show stories from mm-hmm. you know those bloopers that happen on stage live theater. Yeah. Um I could go on and on about those, but but what means the most to me are those those lifelong friendships and you know how like you and I it's when we meet it's like no time has passed Mm -hmm, absolutely 30 years have passed (laughs) and um they're just those people are just special and in my heart always and um we're such a important part of my just growing up and um becoming who I am today so I think that that's probably my favorite memory all of the friends, the all the friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that answer. I like that <laughs> answer a lot. Um, so what are your kind of plans for the future? Or are you just kind of a fly by the seat of your pants kind of girl or, or do you no, have any plans? I'm a planner. You're I'm a planner. planner. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm a mom and, mm-hmm. um, I have, um, grown stepdaughters who are wonderful and then I have a young son who's about to turn 10 and uh he has taken a liking to um oddly enough theater mm-hmm. I don't know how that could have happened right uh, but he's theater kid and uh loves singing love da- loves dancing loves doing shows um so in the past many years I've tried to figure out how can I get paid to do theater shows 
that involve him. So I do a lot of choreography in the area, um, different community theaters, schools, and um, try to bring him along in all mm -hmm. of my endeavors. Um, and then the other thing that happened um, just a couple of years ago, we were looking for a program. My son's name is Odin. We were looking for a summer theater program for him and finding that the the ones in the area that were very popular and um, well-recognized were filling up. They just filled up super fast and, you know, couldn't even get in. And he turns to me and says, mom, why don't you make your own program? And so that turned into um, now I'm in my second year of a program we, we named together Broadway Brings Joy. Oh, and it started as yeah. a little, yeah, started as a camp and then turned into a weekly program through the school year. And then uh, one camp turned into two camps last year, uh, this past summer. And now we're in our second year of um, after school programming. And it's not just for kids. So that's the cool thing. Um, we're doing ages seven to 17 in our mm -hmm. youth and teen program. But I have this whole lovely contingency of adults i've who, seen your adults yes oh my gosh they're so cute and they I are living their them. best lives they are absolutely okay. living their best lives we, with you yeah we're doing chicago oh they love it all that stuff that i feel like is a little mature for some mm -hmm. of the young students but still um choreography and dances i want to do and sing um oh it's been so fun to work with the adults yes. in the area and maybe you know they used to sing and dance when they were younger and they're just trying to get back to it or maybe they've never done it but um we have a blast we have a blast yeah oh great so what are your final words of wisdom what can you give our listeners um yeah something that they can take with them what's your what's your wisdom my twin <laughs> what's your so wisdom I was just i was just um talking the other day to my students at the CLI conservatory about this. And um, I was explaining to them that sometimes it's not always about getting the gig because some of the audition experiences that I've had are so special. Mm -hmm. um, I've been in the room with Anne Reinking. I mean, she was a living legend and legend. Right. And, um, you know, had an intimate audition experience with her. Um, all that time spent with Susan Stroman and I'll tell you uh, this little sidebar. Um, there was a very big hit show that Susan Stroman had, um, much after near the time I worked with her called the producers. Yeah. And it was like the Hamilton of the early two thousands. Like you couldn't get a ticket. It was like the big hot show. And, um, I was up for the national tour. And uh, some of my friends and I, we were like down to the end, like down, down, down to the end. They hired six women and there were eight of us left. Good odds, right? Yeah. Good odds. We were already figuring out who's going to room with who. And, you know, on that day they were doing the phone calls. Oh, call, call me if you, that was before everyone was texting. So call me if you get a call. Okay, I'll call you. And the day went on, the day went on and I did not get a call. And friends were calling me, did you get a call yet? And I, no, I didn't yet. Oh, you will, you will. And I never did. So um, of those eight women, I was one of the two that did not get hired. Um, but even though that broke my heart, like I just couldn't believe it. It was, I just really thought the stars had aligned with that audition. That same year that I would have been on tour is the year I met my husband. And had I been on that tour, I would have never, ever met the love of my life, had the son, amazing son that I have and stepdaughters, and have this whole beautiful life that I've been yeah. able to create. The right pathway. Yes. Yeah. So sometimes it's okay if that door closes because mm -hmm. I promise a path that you could have never, ever imagined will open up. Ah, oh, see, and this leads me to the the line that I will end every show with that, um, yeah, see, like, yeah, you're my twin. You're my twin for a reason because it just <laughs> led right into that. It was like a perfect segue, segue there. Remember, pathways are like the path when the sun 
touches the water. You don't know where it leads or ends, but you never know until you walk that path. Mm. I'm going to let that one sit with me. You're going to, yeah, let that simmer for a minute. Let that simmer for a minute. Yeah. Mm. It's been wonderful to see you and have you on. Thank and you thank so you for much, giving me Chad. my first experience. I know. Um, well, this was fun. It was like old friends catching up. I know. Maybe we should do a group chat at some point and Zoom all the people and have a six degrees of separation in. Oh, please. Don't even tempt me. That sounds so much fun. I know. That'd be like a big reunion, like when everyone was having reunions with their cast during COVID I know. and everyone was Zooming in and having- I know. That was, I had a couple of them and that was actually- Super cool no, and special to too. have all those room reunions. Yeah. That's the that's the beauty of technology. Actually, yeah. you know, uh, COVID is challenging as that time was, I think taught us different ways to connect. And, and it taught us um, to bring a connect and it taught us even now to be able to continue our careers and teach online when we never thought that was imaginable. So I mean it's true. Some of my classes my yoga classes are still hybrid to this mm -hmm. day because folks just want that convenience of rolling out of bed in their pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't blame them. And I've taught dance classes virtually too. I've taught, I've taught like all over the place. Actually I did. Um, I got to connect with my, my cousin. My cousin has a daughter who is in musical theater, lives in Arizona across the country but she's auditioning for musical theater school. So I helped her with that via Zoom. Like yeah. beautiful ways that I can connect with my family and and um help out yeah. and give it back. Give back. And pass yeah. the gift. That's pass what we're supposed on. to do. Pass That's, the craft. I feel very driven to pass it on. I'm happy ah. to do it. And thank you so much for today. And thank you guys for joining us on our first uh podcast of Pathways. And you know, like, share, subscribe, and keep on listening. And we will be back with another episode next week. Thanks, Deb. Good to see you. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.